This morning, we are entering into our final week of the parables. And this parable is titled The Parable of the Last Judgment, so we thought, why not make it the last week? We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 25, and Matthew says in his Gospel, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another, as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right, and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, who you are, blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. And I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. These are God's words for us this morning. Let us join our hearts in prayer. God, we know that there are things that you need us to do. We know that there are things that you ask us to do, and God, as we take a look around this sanctuary and look into the faces of those who, who will follow us out and as we head out to lunch or who will head their separate ways, we know that when we look into their eyes, they are children of God, that they are you, that they need to be loved and cared for like we need to be loved and cared for. So as we look at the people in this sanctuary, not only the people in the sanctuary, but in our community, the people we work with, the people we go to school with, God, let us treat those people as we would treat you. God, as we prepare to hear the message that you have prepared through Mike this morning, open our hearts. Take down those walls, whatever we've built up, whatever is causing us to not hear your word, God, take them away if just only for 30 minutes. And as Mike gets up here to preach your word, to preach the good news, to preach the gospel, God, I ask they would be your words, that his heart would be focused and center on you, and God, that everything this morning is focused on you. I ask all these names in this prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As a pastor, sometimes I get the opportunity to receive uh, emails, or usually in the U.S. mail. I, I sometimes will get um, letters or cards that don't have a signature with them. Uh, oftentimes, those are people that are helping me do my job. 
Um, and every once in a while, uh, like a couple weeks ago, you get one that is uh, profoundly um, important and profoundly crying out. And so I, I don't know who this person was. It's probably one of you either here or online, but you identified yourself as one of our sheep needing a prayer. And I want to speak directly to you that uh, those are you who are needing prayer, including you, um, have been prayed for, are being prayed for. And if you need any of my te our team, uh, certainly uh, call upon us by name. Uh, it's, it, we would love to help. But if you've got what you need, then praise the Lord. Our, our talk today is going to have three basic parts. I'm going to teach a little bit. <clears throat> You're going to work a little bit. We're going to have three prayers and go on to the next thing. All right. So Simon asked you a few weeks ago, Marian Methodist, are you ready? And you say? Hey, you're a lot better. You're up this morning. That's good. Here we go. This is how it starts. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a thing 20 years ago or so um, when you were trying to or helping youth understand the plight of people that have food insecurities or housing insecurities uh, to try to have like through Habitat for Humanity or something like that, which is the group we were working with. Uh, one of those nights where you kind of camp out, but you really don't have anything. You don't have a sleeping bag, you don't, and, and during the afternoon and evening, you have to accumulate the things you need. Now, I will tell you, it's easier for youth in a town of 8,000 people to stand in front of the local grocery stores, look pathetic, and people give them things, so we had plenty of food. We also had a, a large uh, frigidaire home products made washers and dryers in our community, so behind their, behind their factory, there were several of the students that knew we had access to lots of boxes. So we made this little box city in front of the church, out on the concrete, where a number of us had little cubicles to sleep in. Now, we, didn't, we, we kind of gathered whatever we had to stay warm in there. And in the middle, we had taken a fire ring, right on the, not on the city sidewalk, but on the church's part of the sidewalk, and started a fire to keep us warm. And they'd gathered various things. Uh, I hope that people had given them to burn. Youth, it could have gone either way, you know, stuff out of your backyard. You might not need that picnic table anymore. But uh, I, I'm just kidding. But uh, they, uh, we were, had this fire going, and then at a certain point, I said, you know, Pastor Mike is going to sleep, and you should too. And a couple of them took my advice. The rest, not so much. So I was about two hours into my cold snooze on the concrete that was padded by a couple of layers of, of cardboard, when I heard this, dude, wait, oh, no, no, it's really going to burn. I thought to myself, self, you should get up right now. Because <laughs> maybe your box city's on fire. It was not, but I got out there, and when I walked out, there was Travis, and he had what looked to be about half of a baseball bat with five or six rags around it and a bottle, a Coke bottle that had melted to it, and it's on fire big time. And, and of course... When I come out, he looks at me, and he's, of course, he's got a fire, but he's more worried about me than this thing that's on fire in his hands. And he says, Pastor Mike, seriously, it was on fire when I picked it up. <laughs> so that, as a pastor or as a person, adult, that runs several questions through your mind, right? But, and he said, then he looked at me and says, what should I do? And I just looked at him, and I said, obey the laws of thermodynamics. And then I went back in my box. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> well, apparently, he figured it out, because when I woke up the next morning, right in the middle of Bank Street, was 
half a baseball bat wrapped with half burnt socks and a melted Coke bottle on it. But it was blazing, man. <laughs> it was absolutely blazing. Pretty hilarious, but I thought, you know, here's the thing. I love high school students, but they seem to make more of them every year, so, you know, if we lose one or two. It, <laughs> just kidding. These specific ones I love. No, I'm just kidding. Really, I'm kidding. But the scripture that Kelsey read has kind of that mindset to it. It was on fire when we picked it up. This story of the last judgment, this is, these, by the way, this was all red letters, all Jesus speaking, okay? Not, not made up, not, not a legend, not lore of Christianity. These are red letters by Jesus talking about something that's absolutely ablaze because the last judgment has a blazing opportunity. It says clearly that God is separating people, that's us, like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Some, not all, some go for eternal reward. Some are separated out for eternal punishment. This book that we read from today is on fire when we picked it up. But let's be cautious about this because we ask the question when we look at the fact that, that Jesus is separating people into two piles, such as it is, we have to ask ourselves the question, can, does Matthew 25 say that we can do our way, that we can act our way into God's favor? And the clear answer in Christian history, including the words of Jesus, is no. No. Now, there's a longer answer, and of course, I'm a pastor, so I'm going to give it to you. And it comes in two words that I'll flesh out a little bit. The first word is orthodoxy. Now, orthodoxy, you've heard that word, and actually it's been jumbled up a little bit in today's world, but orthodoxy means right belief, which means belief in line with the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, belief in line with the Christian tradition. Scripture says many times, the words of Jesus, the words of Paul, the words of Peter, the words of John, many times it says in scripture that we are saved by faith, that is what we believe in, not by our works. So right belief is absolutely Crucial. So why does Jesus say what he says? Why does he say what he says in the scripture for the day? Well, one thing we know about Jesus is there's no gray area for Jesus. He, he does not see gray area. He sees this or that. He tells us in Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount how to build your life. He says the wise man builds his house upon what? Rocks. The solid foundation of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and all that. And the, and, and the foolish man builds his house upon what? Sand, And when the world, when life comes up against you, the rock stands, your firm foundation stands, the sand blows away. Jesus says, build your house on the solid rock. In his case, he's saying on the solid rock of me. Build your life on me. That's faith. Jesus makes no bounds, and he finds no gray area. He, he does make boundaries, and there is no gray areas. Last week, I talked about the simple parable of the wheat and the tares. He says, your, your heart, your soul is a soil, and I plant good seed in it. I plant the best seed in it, and there will be another that comes along and plants bad seed in it. Harvest the bad out, Keep the good. That's not a real gray area there. He doesn't say keep them both and decide for yourself. This is a harvest parable, same as Jesus is saying here. In, and, and he says there's two roads in life. There's the narrow road, which incidentally it's hard to find. 
and much harder to take. And Christ says, take it, because it leads to eternal life and it leads to righteous living. But there's a wide road that leads to destruction. These are either or. He doesn't say, this isn't Monty Hall on let's make a deal. There's three choices. There's only two. My way, any other way, right? Jesus is basically saying that. My way, every other way. We claim the way of Jesus with our entire lives. And we gain eternity by faith in Christ alone. And, huge and, huge and. One of the signs of true faith is we begin to love the thing that God loves and we begin to do the things that God does. Simplistically, those of us that are parents, we know this. You want, us, you want to make me happy as a parent? Do nice things for my kids. You, you want to make a parent happy? Bless their children. Help their children. God is the great parent, and it brings him much delight when others help his children. So that leans us into our second word, with this orth orthopraxy. Probably haven't heard this one as much. So orthodoxy is right belief, but orthopraxy is right conduct. And that is conduct that's confluent with or runs along the line, the parable li parallel lines of what the scripture teaches us. So let's look at a couple of quick uh, passages. Well, they're not so quick. They're important. That teaches about orthopraxy in the scriptures. One is known as the great commandment. The great commandment is Matthew 22. It leads to the, to the last judgment later, but look at this. The great commandment of Jesus says this. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's belief. You have to believe in that. <clears throat> that is orthodoxy, to love the Lord your God with everything you are, everything you're going to be. You with me? At least the Methodist nod. <laughs> all right. Okay. This is, the, this is the first and the greatest commandment. You believe in me. And the second commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's do. Believe in me, do for them. Believe in me, do for everybody else. Believe in Christ, also help other people. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. That's orthopraxy. Believe rightly, do correctly. A second passage, <clears throat> the last words of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Matthew. Resurrection appearance. That's why it says 11 disciples. <clears throat> Judas has already exterminated himself. Then the 11 dis disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. That means they believe. But some of them doubted. Why? Because only people were there. That is the nature of this gathering. Some believe, some doubt. That is the nature of those that were closest to Jesus. Many believed. Some doubt. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all things and all authority over earth and heaven. Therefore, go and make. That's, that's a do word, right? Those are do words. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, which, by the way, is an action, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach, which is another do. Teach these dis new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So you believe in the resurrected Christ, and you do what he asks. And then Jesus repeats himself at the end. And be sure of this, I am always with you to the end of the age. He tells us to believe again. So you have this right belief that's linked in orthopraxy with right doing, with right activity. And that brings us to Matthew 25, the parable of the last judgment, where Jesus says what you do makes obvious 
what you believe, right? You've heard the expression, talk is right, because <clears throat> it's a lot easier to say you're going to do something than to actually do it. I prefer, even though I think it's harder, that when you look at my life, you pay attention to what I do, not all the words I say, because what I do is who I am. What you do is who you are. So orthopraxy <coughs> is doing what you actually believe. That, that's, that's your orthopraxy. Orthodoxy in the Christian faith leads to orthopraxy, which is uh, not as hard as it sounds. Big words. I've got to prove to you every once in a while that I actually went to seminary and read books. <laughs> but I want to flip you back a couple weeks. Simon Campbell's sermon on, on 929 asked you over and over again, are you ready? And you said, okay, let's find out. He, his sermon was basically around three words. No, I shouldn't say that. One thing I know as a speaker is <clears throat> it matters what I say, but it even matters more what you take in. This is what I took in from Simon's sermon. When we say we're ready, the first thing we're doing is preparation. The preparation that I heard Simon preaching about was, for Christ's sake, I see the world, I see that which is around me, I see that which is closest to me, and I notice what I should be doing about it. I see it, and my preparation is getting ready in the should category. I, I should do something about that. There's that that's stirring in me that <clears throat> I need to prepare to do. And the second word that, that I received from Simon's sermon was intention, which is to say, for Christ's sake, <clears throat> I can do it. God, God's leading me in a journey of faithfulness. I can do it, and I will. I will go about this thing that I am supposed to do. So, so, so you have preparation, and then you have the intention that's getting ready. And then the last word he used, or that I heard, was devotion. That's the doing of it. For Christ's sake, I believe, and I am doing it. So you know the hardest of the three, right? But who we are to Christ is really, and how much we believe is actually worked out in the three. Because I got an awful lot of people that I know that said, oh, I should... And then they fill in the blank, right? I should do this. And you're like, yeah, I know you should. Are you going to? We should do lots of things, but we only do actually a smaller number of them. But our devotion to Christ is worked out according to Simon Campbell, which I agree because I thought it was one of the better uh, pieces of theology I've heard in a little while, is what, what we do is how we're working out what we believe. And what it comes down to is simply this, helping in simple things. So let's not make this hard. The parable doesn't say, you should have built a new city for me. No, it says, I was thirsty. Give me something to drink. I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I didn't have any clothes. You gave me something to wear. I was sick. You came by and helped me out. I was in prison. You gave your time. These are addressing basic, <clears throat> basic needs. And that's what we're called to do. Now, here's... Here's where we're at, right in this moment, live, 1047 a.m. In this moment, we're at a possibility to hear a great, I mean, I have this great opportunity for another one of those, okay, everyone be nice to everyone sermons. And I'm going to sidestep that opportunity. I'm going to let that opportunity go right by. I'm going to consciously sidestep that. So you're going to go home and say, there was no great preaching today. And I'm fine with that. Because now, what we're going to do, I told you a little bit of teaching, check. 
a little bit of work, here's where we're at. So we're going to do a little bit of a faithfulness workshop. Some of you don't want to do this. You came not wanting to do this, but that's okay. Because what I intend to do here is to meddle in your business. To get right into the devotion of your life and see what we're doing. You see, <clears throat> our doorstep is this. When we look at the scriptures, Jesus says to us, I was, and then fill in the blank, you served me. And we say, when did we see that? And Jesus said, whatever you did to the least of one of mine, you helped me. So, so guys in the back, put up that next slide. <clears throat> so here's conversation number one. And I want to tell you, there's going to be two conversations, a couple of instructions. I'm going to ask you to get in the groups, not yet, but in a minute. And then I'm going to say go after I give you some instructions. And then they're going to turn my microphone off, but I'm going to keep talking because I need to address the church that's watching on YouTube or watching online and give them some different instructions because they don't have the benefit of a group like you have here. Now, you might feel a little bit uncomfortable with this. Uh, that's the way it goes. <laughs> but I want you to, to share a simple help that you've offered to one of God's children this week. L let me give you my example, and I'll give you my example to the other side of this in a minute. My example was, I have a friend that's up against it right now in a horrible spot. And you guys know I'm a guy, right? Oh, thanks for that affirmation. <laughs> out here on the ice by myself, okay. Still freaking out about getting in groups, okay, I get it. <laughs> but I have this friend, and she is up against it in her work. And she started telling me her problem, so my point, I'm a guy. So what's our default? Fix. I can fix this. But I thought, that is not why she is telling me. And I have ability to cry, not my strongest suit. Don't like to do it in public that frequently. But I realized she just needs me to cry with her. So about 10 minutes, that's about all the tears I have. I had a lot of heart, but I only got about 10 minutes of tears. I, I sat and cried. And get this, Pastor Mike, who has all these words, didn't say diddly skittle. At the end of which she said, thank you, you really helped me. I was just sitting with a friend crying, right? So, here's what I'd like you to do. Not giant groups. These chairs unplug from each other. You can get in groups of four to six. And I'm going to give you about four or five minutes time. Um, they'll turn my microphone off in a minute. Not yet, though, guys. Um, and I want you to just share a simple help that you've offered to one of God's children. Maybe you gave somebody a lift. Maybe you changed the tire. Do you understand the instructions? Do I need to bring somebody else there to tell you what the assignment is? Okay. Let's get in some small groups. You're going to talk aloud. That's the easiest how to do this. So let's break up. Let's go. Okay, I'm ready up here. So if you're watching us at home on the live stream or on YouTube, uh, the instructions are a little bit diff different uh, today in the sermon because um, this has become a faithfulness workshop here within the building. Um, so here's the instructions again. Uh, you will see that what we're doing is we're sharing a simple story uh, of something that we have done to offer God's children some help. And what I'd like you to do, because you don't have the group, and you can hear the, the, the noise in this room, but since you don't have a group, I, can, I encourage you to either get your cell phone, if that's how you uh, record things for yourself, or a piece of paper, and just write down 
the things that happened, that someone was in trouble or someone in your life circle needed some help and you just reached out to them in a way that was like real specific and real obvious. Just, just write it down. And um, we're interested in your spiritual growth. We might know you. Maybe you, you're one of the folks that watches me in Korea, which is really cool. Or maybe you're just across town or out camping or something today. But if you want to be accountable, um, my email address is on the screen. It's mmorgan at marionmethodist.org. And if you'd like to, just for accountability, send that to me. So while we're doing this work in small groups uh, in the building, go ahead and, and uh, start writing uh, at home. God bless you. I'll be back in just a second. So it sounds, uh, it sounds like you've got a lot to say, which is wonderful. Um, we're going to come back to your groups in just a minute's time. But first of all, I had a good act. I, didn't, I couldn't see it because of the spotlights, but whoever brought me this, thank you. Praise the Lord. Uh, um, if you didn't affirm each other for those small, very useful, helpful things you're doing, let's take a minute and let's do it together right now. So thank you for serving the Lord. And let's, let's do a prayer right now of consecration. So pray with me if you would. God, we thank you for the people that you have placed in our way this week, in our, in our, in our walk, uh, that needed help. We thank you for the acts that we were able to do, uh, the things that you blessed us with, maybe things that we planned a long time ago to help with, and maybe some things that came to us and we said, oh my goodness sake, I can do this. So God, we thank you and we consecrate those acts as an act of a disciple, uh, continue to make our eyes open and consecrate that which we'll do yet today uh, and through the week. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen.
Now, the other side. The other side of this parable is the less wonderful side of it and of us. Because Jesus says, I was fill in the blank, and you did not. You did not help me. You did not step into this. And, and those gathered around said, when did we see that? And Jesus says, whenever you didn't help someone that was right in front of you, you didn't help me. So this is the harder conversation. Conversation number two is the harder one. In a minute, we're going to share a simple help that you missed or denied offering one of God's children. My story is pretty easy. Um, I have a certain day of the week off every week. And one of my friends was moving stuff from over here to over there. And this is going to cost me a lot because I'm admitting this. And I'm not as able as I once was, but I'm able to pick stuff up and move it. And he asked me if I could, and I said, I can't. But what I meant was, I don't want to. Help asked for, help denied. So the bad news is, you're being led by a sinner. But you really didn't have any other choices. Because anybody you got would be that. The good and bad news is that I lead saints and sinners. So here's the opportunity. Same groups. Other side of the same congregation is want to share your communal truth of what's a simple you missed it or you denied it when a person asked you, one of God's children asked you for help or it was obvious to you that they need it. Um, go ahead. I'll give you five minutes. I'm going to talk to the people online again. So, so now we've flipped the question over. And um, same instructions, uh, but now we're talking about the things that we didn't do, the things that you thought, gosh, I, I really should have done it. Maybe you're on the jog and you, you saw somebody that, boy, they could help, you know, need help just even gathering up their dogs or something like that. Or you're in a store and somebody needed something from a high shelf and, and you're taller. I don't know what it was. You know those simple things that you see every day in your life. Uh, a neighbor that's just lonely, somebody that's in your circle where you say, I should go do something about it, and you just don't do it. But I really encourage you, if you're watching at home or if you're listening even uh, to the podcast, to consider writing it down. Writing down when, as a disciple, you had an opportunity and, and you just failed another person or you failed the Lord or you, you kind of failed uh, all of us. You didn't offer something specific that's within your power to offer. I told you the story of how I could have helped my buddy and I'm going to have to pay for that this week. Uh, but I didn't help my buddy move when I could have, which doesn't make me much of a friend. And in this case, it makes me less, of course, uh, of a Christian. But we all come upon that. And, of course, we need to pray for forgiveness. And, and, and so write it down. And if you want to send it to us, we'd love to have it. We're interested in your spiritual growth. Um, and you could email me uh, at mmorgan at marionmethodist.org if you'd like that for accountability. And I'll, I'll seek to bless you. Uh, but go ahead and do this work while we're working here in the congregation. I'm going to step away from the microphone.
Well, there's a lot there, huh? And so, as, as we affirmed each other here, um, for what we did do, we also acknowledge what we didn't do. And it was interesting at first service, and I'll hear a report from the back later, that the volume sometimes in that second part, maybe because you've, maybe because you've had practice, but also maybe because there's more there, the volume seems to go up a little bit. And, and so I want to take you to a place where after we've acknowledged our truth and, and shared with some others, and maybe you didn't get all the way around your circle, and for that I apologize, but I also want to be mindful uh, of your time, that we just take a minute and, and let's request in all sincerity God's forgiveness for that which we did not do. Would you pray for me and pray with me? Uh, Lord God, we had opportunity, multiple opportunities in front of us this week. Some we took, some we acted on our faith in by helping a person, some we we chose not to. Lord, sometimes we can't, and for that, we need no forgiveness. But for those times when we can and don't, we definitely need your forgiveness. So, Lord, we ask that you forgive us for that which we did not do, those, those sins of uh, omission. Uh, strengthen our heart that we might receive that forgiveness and be made whole in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. So... There's no real easy here. You know, there's a lot of times that we could sitcom this thing and say, there's three easy steps. One, two, three. And we could put a bow on this and tie it together. And some of you even are going to go home and say, hey, that wasn't much of a sermon. And maybe it wasn't. But I'll tell you what, if you were being honest in your groups, and a lot of you probably were, that's probably a better sermon than some of the rest of them I preached. Because it exposes to ourselves who we have opportunity to be, and who at some level we really are. And so we can aspire to greater things. There, there's no easy here, no, no easy fix because we all have to do that work of discipleship. We have to have the right faith, which means faith that's in line with Christian tradition. You know, we have to work on right conduct. But I'll tell you this about life. If your life is anything like mine, it was on fire when I picked it up. And it's troubling and difficult, it's messy. And so sometimes when we're in the middle of the mess, we're being called to act upon something that we can do. So it's not going to be perfect. Your pastor's a sinner, as are every one of you. But we also have within us that great saint that calls us to the side of Christ. So here's your Christian encouragement today. We're not finished yet. This isn't some cute little, you can do fine if you do these three steps kind of sermon. But we are not finished with our discipleship. Because if you have air to breathe, if you have steps to take or wheelchair to roll, you're still on the walk of being a disciple of Christ. So, so I want to leave you today with just a simple prayer of aspiration. So come with me if you would. Let's go to our Lord's feet and we'll tie this together. Lord God, we aspire to be disciples. We are faulted and we fail and our lives are a mess and they're on fire sometimes. Sometimes we set them ablaze ourselves. Sometimes something else has. But you give us every opportunity, every single day, opportunity to be a Christ-like follower, the one that does for the sake of you because we believe and we love you so much. Lord, we know that every single person, doesn't matter what language they speak, doesn't matter if they look anything like us, doesn't matter their skills, doesn't matter their abilities or education, they're all your kids and your loving parent and the way we please you the most is helping one of your other kids. 
So God, let us be those who believe so strongly, whose faith is so rich that we endeavor in the living of our lives to do, not because we're afraid of being cast into a last judgment, but because we love you so much, we do exactly like you would have us do. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.